on Fit for Purpose this week, I chat with Martin Rimmer, Chief People Officer of Cadent Gas. We cover the programmes that Cadent has got in place to support people who find themselves out of work or who have disabilities and the work they're doing to make sure they stay ahead of the curve when it comes just to levelling up and social mobility, but also green energy issues. I hope you enjoy. Martin, thanks so much for doing the podcast with us uh, this week. I can imagine it's been an incredibly challenging time for Caden over the last few months, because whilst a lot of us have been able to potentially work from home in our jobs, obviously for you in your business, you were one of those key worker groups that had to keep the show on the road. How hard was it for you as HR director really having to suddenly adapt to the fact that we were in lockdown? Well, it would be fair to say that it wasn't easy. Um, I think uh, with the scenario we found ourselves in, although every um, business has a continuity plan to refer to, I don't think many plans existed where uh, we would literally find ourselves in a situation that overnight we had to completely re-engineer elements of how we delivered our service. But the, the priority had to be, uh, uh, as you would guess, uh, to keep the gas flowing throughout. And um, um, as you've referenced, we are actually, you know, a gas supplier and we have a, an obligation to address emergency situations. We also um, manage the gas emergency line for all gas networks in, in the UK. So there were some critical elements of service that we had to focus on. Uh, as an immediate challenge. Um, We also had to consider how overnight, you know, several thousand employees would be asked to work from home. And we were um, certainly very lucky, I guess, to be in a situation that we had systems and uh, and, uh, software that allowed us literally overnight to transition to that. And I have to say that uh, the success of that was amazing that uh, it was the people that made that happen and their ability to literally pick up things go home and then not come back to offices mm-hmm. for several months and indeed we're not back yet uh, and we'll no doubt touch on that later on but um so you know our primary concern was to keep people safe make sure the network was safe uh, and to provide uh, support equipment and and i guess procedure uh, to every single employee within the 5,000 that we've got at Caden uh, to ensure that they could continue to do the, and deliver those critical services. So it was certainly enlightening. There was a certain um, energy about it as well uh, that, that allowed you to think differently. And um, certainly that, that has been one of the key challenges is how do you get the message out to that number of people about how we're going to do things different. When, when when the decision was made on the 23rd of March to, to do things differently. So um, certainly, um, it, yeah, enlightening times is probably the best way to sum it up. I think, I think for a lot of businesses, it was incredibly difficult. But actually, as you say, um, companies around the country really rose to the challenge. And I think like Caden, a lot of them 
went beyond, if you like, their core services to support communities more widely. Tell us a little bit about what Cadent did supporting local food banks. So, well, the first, you know, early on in the um, the changes that we made to, to how we manage our people was to firstly ensure that they then, as in, as, um, as employees of the business, that they uh, were as comfortable as they could be in, in financial situations. And it might not be relevant to the community as such, but what we did firstly was get our people in a good, good space. So we made a decision very early on not to furlough it any of our staff so we haven't furloughed a single individual uh, and we made a commitment to ensure that um, they received uh, salary and payments in, in line with what they were entitled to so uh, they, we took away a huge financial worry so that we could focus on delivering the service um, in relation to communities if you like we uh, instantly offered every single employee uh, two paid volunteer days per month throughout the uh, the initial pandemic period um, because we wanted to allow as many people as possible to contribute to local communities and mm -hmm. and that 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 time uh, was was spent volunteering in whichever way they saw fit to do um, some people were simply you know knocking on neighbors doors and doing delivery of food and medicine and checking on well-being of, of uh, elderly people or people who uh, were more challenged by the scenario than, than, than others. Uh, and then there were uh, people who went to work in food banks, deliveries, collections. Uh, we, we, did, we did a huge amount when it comes to um, uh, helping the communities through the workforce that we've got without impacting uh, the service. And I would reference probably at this point uh, the Cadem Foundation, which you, you may be aware of, where mm -hmm. we uh, we make um, quite a considerable donation annually to a charitable foundation who then uh, distributes that money um, uh, to uh, various good causes. And the one, if we re relate particularly to food banks, is the Trussell Trust we made a cash donation to them of £240,000 uh, as an immediate injection into um, keeping those and, and I guess expanding the network of food banks as this uh, pandemic, as this challenge unfolded in front of us. So I think the reality is uh, we did, we have and continue to do uh, quite a lot of work in the community through the Cadent Foundation and the donation, if you like, of time, paid time by our employees. And I think it's it's really striking, you know, how much of an impact that's had. I mean, just looking at your wider work that you do on social mobility, I mean, we're really proud to be working with, with you um, in the Social Mobility Pledge on a, an Opportunity Action Plan. Tell us a little bit about the work that Caden already does around social mobility and in a sense how it's such a, a key part of your purpose as a business to sort of get that skills that you need in order to be able to deliver the service that you've got. So, so we are, as you know, we cover quite a considerable geography of the UK. You could argue that it's just south of Carlisle down to North mm. London 
and from just, uh, you know, this side of Wales, if you like, to the East Coast. So we, um, we cover a huge um, geographical area with innumerate num numbers of, of, of communities of uh, various uh, demographics. And obviously within there, we've got uh, pockets of, uh, uh, I, guess I suppose, deprived areas that we that we work closely with in the work that we do. So we are literally renewing gas pipes and the network throughout all sorts of different communities. Um, we as a business are very, very focused on the fact that we want to put something back into those communities. Um, and we, we have many different uh, schemes um, entry-wise into our business to offer up opportunity for people from all backgrounds uh, to join us um, on a career journey and a career pathway. Um, so we're, we're very focused. We, you know, we, we are a diverse and inclusive organisation as, as it is, but we're very focused that we, we, we need to do more and want to do more. So part of our submissions through the determination for our next regulatory period included quite a lot of reference into what we plan to do and how we plan to do it. So um, speaking earlier to someone else, I chatted about the opportunities that we've got at all levels of recruitment and particularly offering up support during a recruitment program, because mm -hmm. I think what you find is that um, if you have a graduate program, for example, graduates are uh, of an ilk that will apply and are comfortable and confident in their approach to applying, whereas we've got other um, groups of people that possibly don't get the opportunity to. So we are uh, introducing a more hands-on support mechanism to support mm -hmm. people, uh, individuals through an application process and, and, and a localised activity that allows us to focus on particular groups who may not have the same opportunity that, that others do to um, be aware of what the opportunities are within Caden for a, from a career perspective. Um, so, so, you know, we, we, we continue to develop both our diversity and inclusion programme, but also our recruitment programme so that we make it um, as uh, inclusive as possible for everyone to apply and be part of that process and you know certainly now as it stands there's somewhere in the region of about 120 or so um pro uh, people on programs within cadence and this year we've got a further 120 or so that we're going to recruit and when i say into programs i mean like apprenticeships i mean like industrial placement student programs the graduate programs, trainee programs, for example, in commercial, and then within our business itself, offering up opportunity to upskill and train mm -hmm. uh, to prepare ourselves for the future um, and what our future operational uh, strategy will be. And, you know, we'll no doubt at some point talk about hydrogen and the impact that Indeed. will have. So, um, that, you know, across our four gas networks, we like to think that we bespoke the requirement to ensure that we maximise opportunity for people to join us and not only open up the opportunity, but support through 
the process of applying and ultimately hopefully being successful in joining Hayden. And I think before that, you do a huge amount of work in schools as part of your education and skills strategy. Tell us a little bit about how you target the schools, but also the kind of work that you do, because a lot of people, young people are not as familiar as they could be with the sorts of careers that you might have in a utilities company like Caden. So, so you're absolutely right. We, we focus on uh, schools. We like to engage with young people at a very early stage to create that interest in um, uh, the, the, um, the, the industry that we're in and, and utilities isn't particularly attractive I guess to certain groups and it would be right to call out that um, uh, girls and females are not necessarily attracted to engineering work and we're doing a, a, a huge amount to try and address that imbalance. We also um, have recently recruited into our structure um, a dedicated individual who works at that early stage of engagement with schools, with colleges, uh, with various education institutions within the four gas networks, and and for one of a better word, really, or better sentence, handholds people mm-hmm. and young people through the application process. Because um, speaking sort of in basic terms, what we found was that. Um, uh, young females attending some of our uh, selection programs felt overpowered and overwhelmed by the fact that it was very male dominant you know young young chaps there because that's what they wanted to do so we wanted to even that up so that we could see through any nervousness or see through any um, uh, concern about being overpowered we wanted to even that up and handhold those individuals through the process so i think uh, we're investing not only in the schemes themselves but i'm investing in rh or function um, with appropriate roles to help support through that recruitment mm. process end-to-end uh, i think typically where we've gone wrong in the past would be to talk about you know this is the advert we wait for people to uh, apply yeah. if people don't yeah. apply we accept that it's a fait complete. what yeah. i wanted to do was reach out further earlier on in that process and handhold people through mm. the the process so that we truly did make selection on capability and ability and uh, the, the reasons why they wanted to join Caden to not lose that access to that skill set, that potential mm. uh, uh, opportunity to, to, to work with people because they were, for want of a better word, scared off by the early, uh, early parts of the process. Yeah, and when it comes to gender, it's half the population. <laughs> So you're fishing in a really exactly much smaller that. pool than necessarily. Exactly that. Um, and, so and, it makes a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of sense to, um, to get to, over To reach it. out and, get, and pass that barrier. We've exactly. also done some work with um, even the wording of, our, of our, our adverts and how we place those adverts out in recruitment streams to generate interest from different diverse groups, including obviously females. So... Um, th- there's a lot of work in the background that's done. Uh, uh, and uh, as I say, it's a relatively new appointment. It's part of our longer term plan. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the colleges and the schools that we're interacting with, we're beginning to build a network to work with them 
so that we're talking careers much earlier in the process than typically we may have done in the past. I think it's really important. It's very hard to get an opportunity that you don't even know exists. So it's really crucial work. And I think alongside the school's work, I know you also target other groups um, that maybe are further away from the workplace sometimes than they really ought to be. One is um, people who maybe have um, disability. The other, of course, uh, are needs. Can you tell us a little bit about those two groups and how you work with them? So, yeah, so we have um, we have uh, schemes where we bring in um, uh, individuals on programmes to um, Ashbrook, uh, which is in Coventry, where we focus on individuals who are disadvantaged and um, uh, and challenged through um, circumstances beyond their control. And we run two we've run two programmes certainly prior to the lockdown, which has made it more difficult, um, were uh, they come on what's effectively work experience programme um, uh, with, with assistance and try to um, involve them in what I would call real work rather than sort of an educational type environment. So they become part of our back office teams um, they are working alongside colleagues that are given actual work to do uh, to help with uh, giving them a sense of purpose and understanding what opportunities uh, do exist within Caden. Um, our, our NEAT scheme, um, uh, again, is, is relatively new in the sense of uh, we are trialling various ways of managing the NEAT scheme and that is something that has been tasked with, um, as I say, the new role within my structure. Uh, and uh, again, I think uh, we have had to not pause it, but it's certainly more difficult to manage mm. the needs scheme while the pandemic mm. is mm. Uh, it, it, it continues and we're, we're locked down. So um, I, I think that's one opportunity that we are working to build up as much as anything, as much as the work that we've already done. And I guess a lot of this ties back to the off-gem vulnerability framework. Do you think that, in a sense, a lot of um, companies in the sector have, have taken that framework, but like Caden, used it far more broadly, really, to, to sort of work out how they can really support the wider communities that they're such an important part of? Um, so, so uh, absolutely. I mean, well, I think the the difficulty here is 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 not sounding contrived. Where uh, you know the off gem uh, vulnerability document basically says, you know, we'd like you to do this. So companies react and just do it. Um, within Cadence, what we've been trying to do is is be ahead of the game on that. Mm -hmm. And actually mm -hmm. what we want uh, our, our communities, our customers, our regulators to understand is that this is what we do as a business rather yeah. than what you're telling us to do as a business. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we, we are moving towards April next year, which is the beginning of the new regulatory uh, programme, as you know. And... Uh, our intention is to between now and then subject to some of the difficulties posed by 
um, you know, home working and not being able to get together and, and the, the experience that comes with working in a work environment rather than a home environment, we're going to be ramping that up. Right. It's, I mean, I think it's really um, interesting just how, in a sense, you look at this whole area. I mean, it is truly um, intrinsic to how Caden operates. There's no doubt about that. But of course, alongside all of this is the push to net zero. We're probably in a, it feels like we're in a time where nothing's certain. But the irony, of course, Martin, is there is one thing certain, and that is that Britain's got a mission to get to net zero by 2050. And I think in many respects, it sits alongside the levelling up strategy, really, because net zero is how we start to transform our economy and how Britain works. But actually in doing that, it opens up all these new opportunities, doesn't it? Um, it'd be really good to get a sense from a cadent gas perspective, because of course you're really on the front line of, of all of this shift in, in the energy transition. Tell us a little bit about what the transition in the gas sector to hydrogen looks like, but also particularly this, this pilot with Kiel University, which is really groundbreaking and, and a real pilot, isn't it? That could show us the way more widely to how we do that transition on the gas side. Uh, so we are absolutely, we're so excited about our high deploy uh, program, which is uh, what you referenced that. Uh, trial that we've got at Keele University where we're effectively blending 20% hydrogen into our natural gas products and and the, re the, the real big upside from it is that um, that trial has been hugely successful. There's no requirement to change out your domestic appliances. So, um, and, it, and it's fair to, to say, Martin, that you can do this because it turns out that Kiel University has its own gas supply network, doesn't it? So exactly, you, exactly. You can that. sort of so, trial this in it without it having to be part of the bigger network and see how it went. But it sounds like actually, you know, the results so far have been positive. The results are amazing, and and in in real terms, there would be nothing stopping you rolling this out across the gas network. Obviously, it's 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 a trial at the moment, and it's going to run until March 2021. But but what it has proved is that the technology works. That blending um, can can save hundreds of tons thousands of tons of co2 and that the opportunity is being well this opportunity proves the concept beyond any doubt uh, what it does do then as i think you referenced is it opens up a huge opportunity for uh, skills to be developed for the the near future when this will be rolled out and, and what that means to existing employees and what it means to both people joining Cadent and the opportunity to learn a new skill and be trained in an industry that's got, you know, a, a, a huge future, longevity of future, and also the supply chain that goes with it. So the knock-on effect for us is that we will need to procure different product, not just the gas element, different products, as this is rolled out, and that has a real positive effect on, uh, you know, what is effectively hydrogen-based supply chain as well. So it's hugely exciting for us, and and as I say, it's not beyond the realms of belief that you could do this. Uh, this 
blending version now the ultimate goal obviously is is, is to, to to transition into hydrogen as the as the core fuel and so this means presumably that a lot of the i mean you already have a lot of both technical and non-technical apprenticeships but presumably those end up becoming green apprenticeships and you have almost a different green training strategy to enable your staff and people who are joining Cadent to have the skills that they need for what will be, you know, a different version of the company in the future to the one that you've had in the past. Exactly that. And I reference the fact that, you know, uh, schemes that we operate at the moment are not all about new entry schemes. Some of it is about upskilling. And if you mm -hmm. take today as a good example, um, we've got, you know, nearly 200 people on upskilling programs mm -hmm. within our business, mostly in the uh, sort of team leader environment and the um, repair environment, because um, we, we're constantly pulling people through that career path and progressing them from a personal and professional perspective. Uh, what that means is that we will be adding to the requirement to upskill to what is effectively a whole different technology, a different product. So we'll require different skills and, and we already have some sight of what those skill requirements will be what the qualifications will be required to work on a uh -huh. hydrogen network, if you like. Um, so all this leads to um, a demand uh, for people, for people to want to come into the industry, to join our different apprenticeship graduate schemes, even just you know hiring people into our business to do jobs that are different to the jobs we see today because the product and the network will all ultimately feel and look and will need to be maintained in a different way it is really exciting and i think that you know the the big prize is to have a lot of those opportunities really pointed and tilted into those communities that you serve that are the ones they can make a big difference in and as you say it's such a diverse um area that you serve you know it ranges from blackpool right the way down to north london and they're very different communities, but actually they can all benefit from the chance to be part of that transition that Cadence helping to deliver. And, you know, I think there's a real opportunity now to knit together all the, the work that you've done in schools with the work that you're doing around employability and needs. And if you can then focus that also on cold spots, social mobility cold spots, I think there's the prospect for, Caden as an organisation to really make a massive difference and, and you know, be even more of a force for good. And there is, and, and, I, and, and I, you know, I should have sort of referenced it earlier, but one of the reasons that we, we have um, uh, styled our business on four gas networks, if you like, is because we want to be able to address that geographical diversity that exists. Mm -hmm. So if you are working in, you know, I think you said Blackpool, it's very different to working in North London. The challenges are very different. The demographic of the societies in those areas is very yes. different. Yeah. Um, and hence our network directors are very much empowered to steer us towards um, what they find in their own geography 
and how we centrally support that. So knitting all our different programs together and pulling all our experience and our future aspirations um, and then applying it locally, depending on the demographic, geography, et cetera. Uh, allows us to to be able to address those cold spots, hot spots, if you like, uh, 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 at a local level and making it uh, feel like a local business, even though we are the largest gas network uh, provider. And I think that's really been the prize that we've been trying to get to through the social mobility pledge work with you on an opportunity action plan. I think it's it's really going to be interesting to see how we can work with you to, to target all of that and can as I say make a big difference now Martin I have to ask you about your own journey as well um, yeah. it, it's 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 interesting because I think HR has never been as it were more important and strategic and center stage for a lot of businesses you've obviously been in HR for for some time you're now Chief People Officer at Caden. Tell us a bit about your own journey that, that you've had. And, and I, speak, I think especially, you know, when you were starting out looking at very different careers, was, yeah. was working with people something that had always been in your mind or, or was it a, a more of a circuitous route almost into the career that you ended up having? So, so I, I started my career in retail uh, with uh, Marks and Spencers and moved into working in banking and then uh, progressed to working with, um, you know, a cable TV company, uh, large scale, you know, which ultimately ended up into being into Virgin Media. I think the underlying, the thing for me was that I always wanted to work with people and I'm good with people. I can say that uh, from a personal perspective. I like, I like having people around me. Um, what, that experience prior to the such transition into being more HR focused did was it reminded me that actually HR is a customer uh, a customer service mm -hmm. and that you should never lose sight of the fact that you may not interact with the consumer or the person who walks into the shop in the same way but actually your customers are your employees and your colleagues that you work with and mm -hmm. um, so in my early part, my early career, um, I, I focused on the ability to work with people and um, mm -hmm. work and manage people at different levels within organisations and the value that they add. I, I also thought that, you know, part of what we should always do is provide the service that you expect. And we all know that now uh, people expect a greater level of service than them previously did. It becomes more... Um, expected whether you're buying a cup of coffee or whether you're in a supermarket or whether you're boarding an aeroplane not that we can at the moment but <laughs> to the same extent um, but but the actual service is what matters to people so um, uh, in early days it was all about that ser service and understanding what good service looked like uh, as I transitioned into uh, the HR world um, that, that service training has been invaluable and if you look at where we find ourselves today as chief people, I find myself today as chief people officer for Cadence, um, offering a service to those 5,000 employees stroke colleagues um, has been one of our primary objectives throughout. And that service can be from understanding the personal needs 
and the well-being of each individual right the way through to you know issuing policy that helps support everyone irrespective of what job you're doing within our organization so um, you know personally uh, i would say that this whole experience has made me think about things differently understanding the impact of um, your work environment that work-life balance i think we've all benefited from some of that if we've been lucky enough to be you know able to work at home we mustn't lose sight of the fact that the majority of the people at Caden have continued to work um, uh, as they would normally do and have had to interact in in challenging times uh, but I do think that it makes you think differently uh, about so it's been a bit of a reset time. really it's been a it's been a, a, a complete reset to the way of thinking even down to the very basics of you know, the commute into the office, the commute home, what that impact that has on people, the interaction with people and changing your style of management, if, if that doesn't sound too old fashioned, to think about how important it is when you're managing interactions through uh, virtual uh, meetings and vir virtual uh, workshops and mm -hmm. conversations using technology rather than in person and the importance of of understanding how those interactions feel for you and other people it's certainly been a change in social norms that we've quite possibly been seeing over recent months there's no doubt about that and i think also a sense that the longer this change happens almost the more embedded it becomes I certainly think it's made me think about time differently. Um, I don't think I'd ever really particularly appreciated how much time I spent getting into work, getting out of work. Mm -hmm. In many respects, I, I always use the time on the tube as a bit of a time for reflection, catch up on the news, maybe do some emails. But actually, if I'm honest, I haven't missed the commute at all. Um, there was an element of it, as anyone who travels on the district line in London every day knows, that was a bit stressful. You never never quite knew whether the service was going to be a good one or a bad one and, and all of that. And I think, you know, we've all got our own particular lockdown experience, but there's no doubt that I think if you've been able to work at home and make that work, then actually it has brought a very different balance to life. I think the question is almost in the same way that we've understood that for children and young people, the home learning environment really matters and has made a big difference between whether you've been able to keep your education going or not during lockdown. I think there's almost a lot more thinking to be done on the home working environment and what that looks like for people in terms of what's good, what's bad, how you blend it with being in the office and part of the team. And it may be that we're really at the beginning of working out how to do that effectively. And, and I guess for employers, big employers like Caden, you know, that'll be a crucial part of how to stay successful over the coming years. And, and we have already started, as you would expect, uh, to, to think about, uh, future ways of working as we're calling it because um, th there is you know a, a thought stream that says you know why would we revert to hundreds of people getting in cars driving to one place to perform some uh, form of work that has been delivered and continues to be delivered very very effectively uh, from from home 
to save that that um, impact both on the environment and the people. There are some challenges to that because there is the social interaction question uh, and we all benefit from interacting with other people and how we do that effectively as well. That balance between home working and office working uh, continues to be um, considered for cadence um, uh, and uh, we're actively working on uh, coming to some um, uh, landing on it over the coming weeks um, because I do think that it impacts, well, it influences your property strategy, your mm. uh, your company culture, how you attract people and talent of the future, you know, the uh, flexible working opportunity that it offers up. It all adds to our ability to attract right people and open up Caden opportunities mm. to that much broader mm. um, potential um, employee base. Interesting, challenging time. Um, mm-hmm. A lot's going on inside Caden, outside Caden. Yeah. <laughs> Martin, if you were, you know, reflecting back on the journey that you've had, if you were giving your much younger self, um, yeah, maybe at primary or secondary school, some yeah. advice, knowing everything that you know now, what do you think it would be? I think the advice I would give myself, thinking back to how my career journey was, would be to have faith in your own ability, whatever that ability is, and be less questioning of yourself when it comes to, can I do this? And rather than, I will do this to the best of my ability. And if I do that, then success will come in some form. Uh, um, Whereas I think there is sometimes a tendency for people to hold back because there's a concern about what may be perceived as failure. And don't let that put you off. And I wouldn't let that put myself off if I was going to give myself some advice. I'd be do saying, you think it maybe did when you were when you were younger, but you're a bit worried sometimes it, about, it about um, not think, things not working out? I, I think there were certain challenges that thankfully don't necessarily exist to the same extent now. Um, I, I'm in a same-sex relationship, so consequently leaving an all-male grammar school in an environment that was different uh, yeah. 35 years ago, or even longer, 37 years ago, um, I, I think offered up certain challenges and I just think have uh, faith in your own ability and that ability will deliver some form of success and, and don't uh, be wary of, of taking decisions in pursuit of what that success is. I think that's really great advice and it's about thinking, you know, not about the downside of an opportunity but the upside and realising that actually in a sense, doing your best is probably the biggest challenge you can set yourself anyway. Um, but actually, it's a really positive one. And, and I think often just being prepared to give stuff a crack um, is how you open up the next door on opportunity. But you just don't know where it's going to lead you. And you'll only find out by giving things a try. And so I think it's really, really good advice. And, and I think it's just about getting on with life, isn't it, as well? Martin it is. Um, yeah. and, and not being put off by maybe what I don't know other people think normal looks like or, or what they're going to do as an opportunity or the fact that they might not be too keen on the opportunity that you like I would always say just just 
do your thing and find out what you're good at and then go for it. Exactly. Brilliant. Well, look, Martin, it's been fantastic having you on the podcast. I think Cadence got a real wealth of not only experience, but ideas now on what it's doing on opportunity in a key area that we really need to develop skills in, which is utilities and STEM um, and engineering. I'm really excited about the programs you've got on employability for for send people, but also um, the NEAT program in particular, I think done in the right communities could be really transformational. So thanks so much for working with us on the Social Mobility Pledge. We're really excited to be launching your Opportunity Action Plan shortly and look forward to, to continuing to work with you and, and help you put all of these great ideas into practice. So thank you very much. Thank you. Martin's comments around having faith in your ability and not overly questioning yourself are really key to having the confidence to crack on with what could be a really rewarding career journey or a new challenge. Whatever it is, your background and experience is your strength. And rather than letting other people define your ability or who you are, you define yourself. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit for Purpose. If you enjoyed it, please give us a rating and share with your friends, family and colleagues. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.